One of the questions that I want to start with today is the question about what you believe. The series that we're starting in is a new series. It's still connected to the annual theme, which is how do you build the future? My whole year, the whole year I'm trying to answer that question. I want to show you how you build one. And if you remember, when we started the year, I said you got to change the way you think, change, change your approach. And I went through a list of things you have to do in order to change and redirect your future. Now, with us, it's really easy. You go to the website, right? You click on 2017 sermons. Just go to the website, click on, um, uh, click on online, and you can watch all the sermons you want. And if you miss them, you can go back and get the notes and everything. It's all free. Today, this study takes you, a further, uh, takes you down the road a little further, and I, I deal with the importance of believing. And building your future, what you believe affects everything. There's a graphic that we have that really makes the point. And it's the guy pointing up in the sky, and it's basically saying the power of what I believe. What you believe affects every single thing that you do. It impacts your thinking. It impacts your outcomes, everything. So here's the big question for the day. How in the world has your belief system affected your entire family? What do the Temples believe that the Smiths don't believe that makes the outcomes different? What is it that your family believes about engaging conversation that has created an environment where people can't talk or where people feel free to talk. It's all tied to what you believe. Do you believe you're the man of the house and everybody should come into your authority and nobody should challenge anything you say? There should be no dialogue, no questions. There's something that you miss. Uh, one of the challenges of doing notes in any format is, you know, when you do them, you have to check spelling and stuff, and there's always these long discussions. And we don't get it right every time, and if you find a mistake, love us. But we're always working at it. And you ought to hear these grammatical things going back and forth, and everybody's debating. And so this week, there was a, there was a college student who, who came and said, the word should be affected, A-F-F-E-C-T, and how it does affect. And, and the temptation to use effect. And so the, I, I said affected, and the effected one, the debate, and the college student came in and said, no, 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 he's right, affected. So in the review of the sermon notes, the affected discussion took off. And, and so she called her professor and challenged the team and said, it is affected. I said, now this is smart. Here's, what, here's what's cool about it. They're, they're talking. The fact that there's energy in the room and that, that, you can, that if something's not right, that you can, you, can, you can talk about it. Now, again, if you find mistakes, that, don't come and tell me. I don't want to know today, praise God. <laughs> no, don't, don't tell me nothing. That'd be perfect today. But, but my point is at least... At least there is this, the, the energy of discussion and dialogue. And, and, I, and I went to the, the, the college student and I, I said, listen, I said, I'm so glad you, you, you challenged them. I wasn't even there. They were having this debate among themselves. And because of her, they changed everything and reprinted all the notes and said, change it. And I, I thought, what an incredible power that a college student could step into the room and say, I want to talk to you about this. I read this. This is wrong. Change this. I thought, oh, God, this is so good. In your world, do you believe that's okay? If you don't believe it's okay, they'll never tell you. They'll let you spell it wrong, do it wrong, and your pride will keep you in the dark. You are affected by what you believe. What do you believe? It affects the outcomes of your life. What you believe about money, communication, everything. And you can end up in the dark because you can't accept communication, accept input. You get confused, and this is what I told the student. I said, people get confused between coaching and criticism. 
No one's criticizing you. We're coaching you. There's no money in this for me. I'm trying to give you an insight that might help you understand. Here's why you have trouble making friends, getting along. Here's why they won't promote you on the job. Here's, here's a way you approach conversations that makes it really defensive from the very beginning. So who wants to spend that much money, that much energy early in the morning? Believe what you want to. So people let you go down the road and end up in a place. You say, why didn't you tell me? You kidding me? It's expensive. It's better to watch you go through this than for me to pay all that high price to simply tell you your car is almost out of gas. <clears throat> Call AAA. They'll tell you. You'll find that on the freeway. Why should I tell you? Last time I told you, I got a few words, got a long discussion. So, hey, go for it because you told me you know your car. <laughs> so now you really know your car. <laughs> but I couldn't tell you that without paying a high price. It's powerful. When you're, if you're not careful how your beliefs can affect you. Here's a side question. How has your culture affected what you believe? You believe it or not, being an African-American, being a Caucasian, being an Asian, being an American, your culture uh, has a great impact. What we tend to do is we see life through the lens of our culture. We put on our African-American glasses, we put on our, our, our male glasses, our female glasses, and we see the world through that lens, and that's how we define everything. Everything is... is, is um, viewed through the lens of a Democrat or a Republican. And what we see even in our political dynamics today is amazing. It's like, really, really? This is really how you see this. And what you're seeing is the glasses that they wear. And, they're, and that's, instead of mocking it, learn from it and say, boy, am I like that? Do I put on glasses and miss everything? Do I come to conclusions because of the way I see the world? I judge your choices by my economic reality. So I mock your car and say, you shouldn't drive that, that expensive car because of your, that's your financial reality, not mine. Why judge my car by your financial reality? You're telling me already you can't afford it, so I get that. We, can, we don't have to start with where you are. I'm talking about where I am and where I want to be. Can I get an amen? amen. Come on, give God a big hand clap. I want to I talk about where I am and where I want to be. There's something about understanding that my culture could be affecting my belief system in a very negative way because I'm only around people like me. And people like me only see the world the way they see it. It's really, it's really fascinating. Now, I want to say this, and I'm going to get in and out of this. I love working with our school system. I've had yeah, the joy of knowing the superintendent and knowing the people that work in the top office and knowing the principals and knowing the teachers. And all of them have different perspectives. It's amazing. If you know the mayor and if you know the people that work in the mayor in, the, in government and you know the people, it's a, it, as you get to know people at different levels of government, it, you senators, and you, you just start seeing different, and their, their perspectives are tied to the culture that they're exposed to. So everything from a teacher's perspective is this way. This is how you fix the system. And then if you get to the principals, they've got a view. And if you get to the people who are above the principals, what do you call those? The people that are... The, the directors, neither the directors, ah, I didn't know you know, the directors, <laughs> and they're amazing directors when you get to know them. And then and you talk to the superintendent and you talk to the school board people. I mean, I've got to know all the levels, and when you get to know all the levels, when I have each conversation, it's a whole different level of conversation from a different perspective. When you talk to the police chief and you talk to the people, it's just the same thing is true. The father, the children, right? Right? You have one view of parenting, your kids have another view. And there's something about understanding that I need to be clear that I could be blinded by my culture. 
So that's why I should always listen, because I could be wrong. Then there's a painful thought. You ready? Here's a big one. Painful thought. Could my life results be a testimony of what I believe? Look at the results of my life, and could that be a statement? This is what you believe. Look at your checkbook and say, this is what I believe. You say, no, that's not what I believe. Yeah, no. But this is the result of a belief system. And that's a painful thought. The dynamics of my relationships, I go in and out of relationships, I'm in and out, in and out. I've had three, four, I'm not mocking anybody who's gone through this, but you have to at some point say, I've been married this many times, I've had this many breakups. I've had. So is this a result, is this a statement of my belief system maybe not working right? How I choose, how I select, how I engage. Every job I'm on, I'm in strife. Every job I'm on, I, they're all stupid, they're all dumb. I, I hate them all after about a month. What is that about my belief system that leads me to that kind of place of strife with every job, every relationship? Why am I always in this place? Out of debt, in debt. Why? Because you believe in charging stuff and not paying cash. There's something about the way you think and your belief system that's given power in your life, both positively and negatively. And maybe you should think about that. There are four facts about believing that I just pulled out, scripture that I thought were fascinating. Four simple facts, and I just want to say them and move on, and then I want to give you an example of a guy who believed. First of all, understand that what you believe directly impacts the level of what you do. Let me say it again. What you believe directly impacts the level of what you will do. John 14, 12 through 14 says this. Truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Notice, it has a direct impact. What they believe, Jesus says, will impact what they do. They'll mock me. They'll do what I do if they believe what I believe. Whoever believes me. And then he says, and greater works than these will, will he do. Not only will they do what I do, they'll surpass me. But they have to at least believe what I believe. If you are around entrepreneurs, you believe you can be an entrepreneur. You start acting like one. If you're around people who have a, who have a certain attitude towards women, it affects what you believe. The, what you believe, you rise to the level of that in your life. I found that to be incredibly true. Secondly, what you believe should not always be tied to your personal experiences. Read that with me, please. Come on. What you believe should not always be tied to your personal experiences. I love these words of Jesus in John chapter 20, verse 29. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet what? There's something about understanding that if I always tie my belief systems to what I see, then I am at a disadvantage. You should believe, your, what you believe should not always be tied. To your experiences. I shouldn't have to go through the loss of a job or the loss of life or loss of a limb to believe. I, can, I don't have to go through diabetes to believe it's bad. I don't have to go through those things. I can say, and for those of you who have diabetes and, you have none, and don't, don't, don't take that wrong, I'm just making a point. Some of you would say, please, please don't wait till you get here to believe. That's what you'd say. Even though you're making it and God bless you and health and strength to you, you would say to a person who's on the border, don't eat that. Don't make that decision. Thirdly, what you believe has a direct impact on your eternal outcome. Say that with me, please. Come on. What you believe has an eternal impact on your outcome. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not what? Perish, but have eternal life. 
My eternal outcome is tied to my belief system. And I want to say this. It's not because God is just like, okay, believe me or I'm going to put you in hell. That's, that's, not, that's not it. Do you know there's a great verse in the Bible that says, according to your faith, so be it unto you, right? Some people think that means God says, okay, uh, if you believe for this phone, I'm going to give it to you. If you don't, then I'm going to take it from you. Believe hard. Strange. Believe, believe, believe. No, no, no. That's not what he's saying. People who believe keep doing. People who don't believe stop doing. The reason it's according to your faith is because you stop doing so you never get it. Uh, it's more about you than God not giving you something. The reason you can't get more of what you want is because you stop doing what it takes to get more of what you want. It's not just God saying, well, if you don't believe hard and pray hard, I'm not going to give it to you. That's not it. You quit. That's why you didn't finish school. It's according to your faith. You went so far, you stopped believing in yourself, you stopped trying. And so because you stopped believing, you stopped trying, you stopped going, you didn't graduate. That's the reason. I mean, I understand that's important to put in perspective because what we want to do is we want to find somebody to blame. It's okay, it's because uh, or some, some spiritual reason. It's because of something, something lacking in me spiritually. I don't have the spiritual power you have. No, no, no. I, I believe. I believe there's something about believing. According to my faith, so be it under. Jesus looked at them and said, if you're willing to keep trying, if you're willing to seek, knock and ask, we can ha- you can have this. There's a direct link between what I believe and my eternal and my natural outcomes. That's what he says in John 3.16. And lastly, what you believe affects how far you will go to reach others. Mark 16 makes a statement in verse 15. Go into all the world. That's not a request. That's a command. Go into all the world. Read that out loud. Come on. Go into all the world. And watch this. And when you get there, I want you to proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, to every ethnic group. I want you to talk to everybody, black, white, Asian, everybody. I want you to learn languages. I want you to go into all the world. That is the Christian mandate. We have no right to exist if that's not what we're committed to. The reason we're doing missions next year, the reason we're doing it this year, the reason that we're engaged in things we're engaged in, the reason we're in the digital world, why we're online, why we're doing what we're doing is because he said go into all the world. He didn't tell me to just sit around and look at each other and have church and kind of fellowship. This becomes a morgue for people. And I'm not, I'm not surprised that God's making it hard. People aren't coming to church. 35 million Christians stopped coming. They gave up for all kinds of reasons. The pastor, the deacons, the elders, the environment, they just they don't like it. And a lot of you are home streaming right now because you're churched out. But see, I'm churching in your house right now in Jesus' name. I'm coming to you. Because you won't come in here. I'm coming to you. And I, I'm telling you, I'm going to come by email. I'm going to come in the waves. I'm like the, I'm the Holy, it's like the Holy Spirit. I'm coming to you in Jesus' name. Go ye where into all the world. Come on, church. Come on, clap like you mean it. Praise God. We're coming. I even think the reason why some of these buildings are so expensive, God said, I'm going to price you out the market. I'm going to make it so you can't build. I'm going <laughs> to fix you up. I'm going to make you find a new way to reach people. I'm going to make it so you can't pay all that money. You, you, you build all these mortuaries and you die in them and then the people won't help you pay for them. Yeah, I mean, it's horrific how many churches have gone under. But we, I believe it's time for us to understand that's what Jesus called us to, to go into the world, not to just build the place the world comes to. There's nothing wrong with this, and you need this as a good foundation, but it needs to be a launching pad. 
And if it's that, it brings glory and honor to God. As long as you build stuff that is a launching pad to go into the world. Thousands of people are touched through the outreaches that we have. And that's my goal, to broaden that reach, to touch more people. Now, what I want to do is close with this. I want to talk about a guy who believed. The best way to learn how to believe is to watch somebody believe. If you live in a house with a person full of faith, you get faith. If you live around people that don't have any faith and they're always negative, then you end up in a negative mindset yourself. So that's why it's important who your friends are. Pick them carefully because they'll mess you up. They'll get your brain all off. I love the book, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? I love the part of the book where he says that his dad, if you don't know the book, the book is about a guy who lived uh, next to a guy who was what he called his rich friend. He had a rich dad, and his dad was the, the professor. He was a poor dad. And his dad, not that all professors are poor, but that, that's, how, that's how this book panned out. So the guy, uh, Ricky Kiyosaki, I think was his name. What's his name? Robert, thank you, not Ricky. Robert, thank you. Ricky's close. Robert Kiyosaki. In the book, he talks about how he started noticing his friend's dad had a different set of rules. And the rich dad had rules that were not true in his house. In his house, his dad said, we can't afford it. We can't have that. And in his friend's house, the rich dad would say, we can't say that. That's a lot disallowed. And here's why the rich dad said, you can't say you can't afford it. Because he said, it shuts your brain off. The brain shuts off. We can't afford it. Forget it. Pack up the bags. Go home. Instead of saying, how can we afford it? How can we find a way to get what we want? And so the rules were different, and so the results were different. And so he compares in the book, rich dad and poor dad, and the ways that we think in each household and how that belief system affects the long-term outcome. And there's something about understanding the power of this. So what I want to do is look at a guy who believed. His name was Abraham. He is for sure the guy in the Bible, without question, he's the father of the faithful. He's just the father of faith, they even call him that in Scripture. He's an amazing guy. Now, he's not perfect. He makes mistakes, and we can chronicle those. That's easy. But what I want you to see is, first of all, I want to give you the proof that he was a believer, that he believed. And then I want to look at the proof that you believe. So I'm going to switch on you about midway through this. So let me give you a few things that prove that Abraham was a man who believed. We're in Genesis chapter 22. Let me set the stage. He's waited 25 years for a son. He has one son named Isaac. He's over 100 years old. How old is he? He's over 100 years old, and he's got now this amazing test he's called to. God speaks to him and says, I want you to do this. I want you to take your only son, the one that you've been waiting for all these years, and I want you to take him up to this mountain, and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. Listen to me. That's confusing. That is wrong. It makes no sense. In your life, there are moments when it's confusing. You don't know which way to go, and it doesn't make any sense. But you know, in this moment, God clearly gives him this direction, and, and there's a lesson in this for all of us. And let me show you, first of all, notice that he was a guy who was willing to be tested. That's the first proof that he was a man who believed. You will not always understand moments of faith. Listen to what happens. Came to pass, this is verse 1 of Genesis 22. After these things that God tested Abraham, what did he do? He tested him. This is a test. God said, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you, have, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Now I want to pause here for a second. God does not live inside of time. He lives outside of time. So he doesn't have, you know, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock. He sees all the clocks. That make sense? He's outside of time, right? So 
understand that God had Abraham go through this to teach him something and to teach you something. So he had us in mind. He had Abraham in mind. He has all of it in mind. This is all designed to teach us all about how faith works. It's all about helping all of us. So understand God's clear and he controls the test. And so Abraham is the guy who is, first of all, willing to be tested. He doesn't complain about the test. There's no sign of him saying this is not fair. He just understands this obviously is a sign of testing. And he just walks in it. And some of you should be there now because you've been with God long enough to know he's always come through. He's always faithful. You're just in a time of testing, so be cool, calm, and collected. Come on, say amen. amen. Why are you crying, whining, and falling apart now, having seen this is just a season of testing? And there are times when a test teaches you and others things that God wants to use later on in your life. Some of my stories that I give you came from seasons of testing. So second, first of all, he's willing to be tested, and this is not uncommon. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10 says, regarding leaders, leaders must first be proven, tested. So it's, it's, not, it's not wrong. I want you to get that in your mind. It's not wrong to be tested. And he says they must be tested in 1 Timothy 3 to make sure they have the character they need. I want you to understand you don't just get to do this. There's, there's a requirement for you if you want to be a leader. Some people ask me, say, I want to be a preacher. I feel called to be, pre- be a preacher. I say, why do you feel that? Oh, who told you that? Oh, people say I speak well. Really? That's all you need? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's more than that. And, and I'm, not, I'm not perfect by any means, but there is a certain qualification. And you can read it in 1 Timothy 3, list of things. Husband of one wife. You've got to be a faithful guy. You can't be chasing all the women. You know, you've got to be committed and honest. And there's some things that should be obvious in your life to qualify for the position. Moving on, number two. Notice he was willing not only to be tested, he was willing to walk through a confusing season. He was willing to go through a season when he was absolutely confused. Listen to verse three. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey. Now notice, God tells him one day, he gets up the next day. Doesn't take long. He gets up and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac and his son. Uh, I'm sorry, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, rose and went to the place of which God had told him. Imagine that journey. He's walking, and he's confused. He doesn't know what, doesn't know how, and he's, he's walking with his son, and all he knows is, I need to go that way. Doesn't make sense. I'm not clear. Ricky Temple, get up. I want you to move to Savannah, Georgia. I want you to be a pastor of church. Really? <laughs> Really? I thought that was for old people. I'm 23. Jesus. Help me understand that. I just graduated from Bible college. How in the world am I going to? What? Really? This is God's will. We got, we got Ricky on the way and no insurance. Help us, Jesus. They're going to repossess him. It's just <laughs> not fun. But all I need to do is go to Savannah, the place I was born Raised in L.A., but you want me to go back to Savannah. Diane's ecstatic. Her family's here. My family's here, too, but just, are you serious? I've got a plan for you. How's it going to work out? I don't know. I got two suits and a lot of fire, and I'm going to Savannah. So here's what's going to happen. I'm getting to Savannah, and all of a sudden, thousands of people are going to start following me, and I'm going to have a good church. And really, really. So I start the job. You're ready. This is great. I start the job. My salary is $120 a week, full time. That's a whopping salary, isn't it? Wow, man. But if you stay faithful 
and go that way, not only will I work out for you the insurance deal, I'm going to work out for you the money deal. I'm going to work it all out for you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to open doors for you. I'm going to give you opportunity, but I need you to go that way. Can you say it with me, please? Say that way. That way. Come on, point with me, people. Say that way. that way. There's something about going that way. I just need to go that way. I'm mad with you, but stay cool, calm, hold your lips. Go that way. Don't talk. Don't say that. Don't do that. Go that way. I need you to go that way. You can't figure it out, but go that way. I know you want to do all this stuff, but don't worry. I want you to go that way because I got something better for you. It's called online. Thousands will watch you online. Go that way. Get on television. Don't know how to get on TV. What in the world? I've never been on television, but just get the yellow pages out. This is cool. Get the yellow pages out. Look for a camera. Okay, what sense does that make? Because if you find the camera, what are you going to do, shoot yourself with it? What, what makes this makes no sense? So I, I get the yellow pages out. I go through the yellow pages, and I look for a camera. I start calling people asking for a camera. This is really stupid. I'm asking them, do you have a camera? And what is it? I don't know anything about cameras, right? And then in the middle of one of these conversations, the guy says, what are you looking for? I said, I'm looking for somebody to shoot a TV show. He said, oh, well, here's what you should do. Call these people. See, God was trying to get me to call the people with the camera who would tell me how to get to the people who could come on, say amen if you hear me. But you have to go, listen to me, you have to go which way? way. Say it loud, which way? way. If you don't go that way, if you don't get the yellow pages out, young people say, what's the yellow pages? It's Google on paper, that's what it is. Google on paper, everything was, and it was that thick, right? It was that thick. And you open it up on the cameras, you call the guy, and you go from person to person, they all think you're crazy, and finally they get you to the right place, you call the, they say, call Cablevision. Really? And, and tell them you want to shoot a TV show. They do, they do stuff like that. So I called them. I said, hey, my name is Ricky Temple, and I want to shoot a TV program. They said, hold the line. Connect me to a guy named Wayne Nix. Hey, how are you, Mr. Nix? Mr. Nix, uh, what do you need? I want to take a TV show. He said, what do you want to call it? I said, the Word of Live Broadcast. I made it up on the spot. <laughs> he, said, he said, how long is it? Hold on, 30 minutes. <laughs> He said, wait, can you come down? I said, wait, back up, wait a minute. He said, we'd be glad to do that for you. I said, really? I said, well, big question is, how much does it cost? Because <laughs> I have what? No money. But I'm dumb enough to look for a camera, are you with me, in the yellow pages with no money, and I'm going, which way? That way. <laughs> so I go that way. I call a guy, he says, it's going to cost you nothing. It's going to cost you nothing. But it's more fun. Now I'm going to be on TV. I go meet the guy. We talk about it. He says, we're going to take Thursday. I said, okay, Doki, I'll be back. And my wife says, have you ever been on TV? I said, no, ma'am. <laughs> what are you going to do? I'm going to fake it till I make it. <laughs> They don't know I haven't been on before. So why am I worried about it? He builds me a little set. It's a blue little screen behind me. You must have your memory, right? And I got on there and I stood there and I thought, okay, dokey. And my wife is sitting over here, says, You okay? I said, I'm gonna fake it till I make it, baby. She was sitting there and the lights were bright and had, had a little, little, um, little makeup on, you know. We didn't know they stole a little bit on. That's what they do on TV, right? And I remember first the lights came on. He said, five, four, three, two, one. I said, welcome to the World Live Broadcast. My name is Ricky Temple. I'm glad to have you with me today. Today, I'm going to teach you from James chapter one. 
Yes, I did. And I talked for 30 minutes. I said, I did it. And my wife said, you're a bad man. I said, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Because all I did was go which way? That way. Worry too much about having all the details. Just get up and go which way? That way. That's what God told Abraham. Go that way. Get up and try. According to your faith, so be it unto you. The reason you can't get it because you won't go which way? That way. Get up and try. Date. You're mad with each other. Go on a date and act like you like each other. Fake it till you make it. I'm lying. No, you're not. You believe it. You believe it. We're going to get past this in Jesus' name. We're going to make it beyond these days. I'll tell another story real quick. Some of you, the reason God can't bless you because you won't go that way. We was riding down, I told this before, we was riding down in, in Disney World and, we, and they had these places on, 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 on campus or whatever it is, on, on grounds. And there was a beautiful place called Grand Floridian. And I told Dan, I'm going to go over there and look at that. I'm going that way. And I drove over there. She said, well, you know you can't afford that. I said, I said, yes, but I'm going that way. And, and Christina was in the back seat and Ricky was in the back seat. And, and, and I drove over there, and people came up with them pretty knickerbockers on, you know? And, I, and they come up to your car, and I, and I said, if you could have heard them, like windows were up, and I said, you should not have pulled up here. These people are coming to the car now, and that's what you get. And the Christian said, that's right, Daddy, they're coming to the car. They're coming to the car. <laughs> and I asked this little girl to chime in. So Ricky's quiet. He ain't saying nothing, but they're talking to me. And so the man comes, and, and so when the man comes, they all get quiet. I said, do you have any rooms today? I'd like to check on your room availability. Sure, sir. So I, why did you tell that man you want to come in there? But you know you can't afford it. You know you can't afford it. All I do is I'm going that way. I want to stay where the rich kids stay. I want to go where I want to go. I done rode through here too many times. And the, you know, you know what they do is they put you in the tram, right? And you ride in the tram all the way to Disney World and you ride through. You know, you ride through those fancy hotels, and I said, ooh, one day. And all the kids even look rich. Everybody look rich down there. <laughs> and I said, one day. So I went over there, man. I put the window back up. They, they, they was talking, daddy, daddy, you don't need to be going in there. She's talking to Christine in the back. Mama talked to me, and I just closed the door. Couldn't hear a word. Went inside, got in line, waited like all the other rich people. I said, listen. I said, I'd like to see you. having your rooms available today? You know, you're getting your professional talk. You got to <laughs> Because I'm going that way. You understand what I'm saying? I, I'm faking it till I make it. <laughs> they gave me a price list. And they said, well, here was a car with the price list on it. It's $300. $300 a night. Low prices. $300 per night. $300. Four, five, seven, eight, a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars a night. I said, thank you very much. I'll go consider this. And, uh, <laughs> I'm used to forty-five dollars a night. I'm, I'm a twenty-dollar night, brother. I don't know nothing about no three hundred dollars. That make you get weak in the knees. <laughs> Praise God. That's a month's salary. That's a how long? Take me a long time to make that up. So I went back and got in the car, and I got in the car, and I got in, and I opened the door, and then of course the, the voices came in. Ah, yeah. oh, bam! Thank you, sir. I appreciate it, bam. And I showed her the car. That's see now, see now, you know. You had to come over here to see. Oh, they was all over me. They was all over me. But I said, I believe. Come on, say, I believe. I believe. So I saved my money all year long. Yes, I did. I saved my money till I got $300. And next year, we went for one day. 
I said, we checked in early too. <laughs> said, let me get an early check in. And then I said, can I get a late check out? <laughs> but I was in the house, praise God. I was in the house. I was walking around with all the people. I said, I got some money. I got some money. You don't know. And let me tell you what's hilarious. You're going to love this. This girl, she's black. She followed us. <laughs> she, she was following us, you know. She's like, can I ask you a question? How you get, how can you afford to be in here? God is good, you know. <laughs> I ain't got to tell you I'm here for one day, but I'm here. Come on, shout amen, amen, I'm here. Sometimes you can do amazing things when you get up and go that way. You'd be amazed how God can turn your life around. Come on, say amen, church. Ooh, y'all done mess up my time, y'all done mess up my time. What time is it, Jesus? Help me. Woo, okay, here we go, here we go, here we go. So he's willing. I didn't know where I was. Which one? <laughs> Which one was it? I'm confused. <laughs> I'm having faith. Here he goes. Say him again. I know how to do it. Go back and start over again. He's willing to be tested. Number one. He's willing to walk through confusing seasons. Number three. He's willing to believe things would work out. And number four. This is important. He inspired his children to believe. Now, what's interesting is I love this, this exchange because if you go to number three in your notes. On the third day, third day, he walks up there, right? Abraham lifted his eyes, and he saw the place far off. Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will. Read this out loud with me. Come on, what now? We will come back to you. We, we, we're gonna, we, we don't know how this is going to work out, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out. It's confusing now. I've gone that way. don't know where I'm going to get the money, but it's going to work out. Number four, Isaac spoke to, his, to Abraham, his father. My father, he said, this is in verse seven. Look, I, I see the fire, I see the wood. Where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, my son, God will do what? Provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Now, this is amazing. Watch the son's response. The son shows incredible faith in the father. Abraham has faith in God. His son has faith in him. Abraham has faith in God. His son has faith in him. One more time. Abraham has faith in God, and his son has faith in him. You'll see this in verse 9. Then they came to the place which God had told them, and Abraham built an altar. Now, I want you to understand this now. Abraham and his son go alone. No servant, nobody there. And when they get there, Abraham built an altar. Verse 9. And there placed the wood on the, in order, and, and he bound Isaac. Now, it, there's no sign of Isaac resisting. It's a picture of Christ being willing to sac be sacrificed for us. But I want you to see, and he bound Isaac, his son, and, lay, and, lay, and laid him on the, on the wood. And I want to show you now proof in your life that you believe. This is, this is so simple, but yet so profound. If you, if you catch it, you, you'll, you'll see it. Abraham stretched out his hand, verse 10, and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay hands on, on, on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. I talked about proof that Abraham believed, the fact that he took 
his son to this point. But now I want to switch it and talk about proof that you believe. If you're willing to listen for new instructions, when you're determined to do something, that's a sign that you believe. The person that's willing to stop in the middle of it, uh, he was fixated. This is God's will. God wants me to, no, no, no. And, and God says, no, 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 no. I, I know, I know that's what you heard. But I really meant for you to turn right. You know, a lot of times Christians are so fixated in what they believe, they can't turn. Once they get in their minds, this is God's will, God's way, God's word, they can't change. And I, I love the fact that in, the, in this bad moment, what could have been a horrible moment, if he didn't listen, he would have went ahead with it and he would have done the wrong thing. Sometimes we are so fixated, we are so determined, we are so religiously prideful, and I am so concerned in these days we live in. I get, I get a little bit tired of us. I love Jesus with all my heart, but Christians get on my nerves. They bug me because they know everything and they can't hear new instructions. People stream now. Deal with it. People have different schedules now. Deal with it. There are new financial realities. Deal with it. Rise up and deal with the truth. You don't, you're not going to win all your political battles using the Bible. I'm sorry. I love the word of God with all my heart, but you're going to live in a world where people who don't agree with you. And you got to find a middle ground. you got to find a way to be in this country with people who don't think like you think. And there's something powerful about not becoming religious, so religiously arrogant that you can't see any other viewpoint, any other way. There's no, there's, no, there's no way that you could ever be wrong. And sometimes we don't see ourselves. I was someplace the other day, and I just got so tired. I was yelling at people. Going, they, were, they were going to a swap meet, and I just preached at this church, and this guy was coming. He was standing there. He was, he was preaching. He was, get out of the hell. I said, would you just don't run him over, Ricky. Just, just, get out the way. I just wanted to say, would you move? Let people go shop. Why you got to cuss at I was spiritually cuss at him. Call him names. You're going to hell. The, the devil, you got the devil in you. What in the world are you doing? And there's, there's a pridefulness that you can fall into. When you can't hear, that way doesn't work. There's another way. There's another approach. Sometimes you, you were right in trying to win your kids to Christ, but now you need to find a new way to do it. Maybe just be a nice person. Maybe just say hi. New instructions. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. New instructions. You're willing to listen for new instructions, and secondly, you are sure that God always provides. In the middle of this moment when he's sitting there, got the knife in his hand, about to kill his son, verse 13, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horn. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up um, for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. It's amazing. God came through. He knew he would come back. He knew God would work it out if he only went that way. His whole life changed. I believe that we are rich people. I believe lives will change. But I think it's important for us to change and be willing to wait for God to show us the new way. And then thirdly, when you believe your long-term blessings or outcomes prove, if you really want to know if you believe in the right things, look at your long-term outcomes. Here's what the Bible says. The angel of the Lord in verse 15 called to Abraham a second time of heaven saying, 
By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your, your son, your only son. Here's what he says. Blessings. Read this with me, please. Come on. Blessings, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. He says, I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to, have, I'm going to give you amazing, an amazing result because you had the courage to go that way and you believed. Because there's power in what you believe. And, and Abraham's life teaches us that. I hope you today would take a moment and say, I want to check what I believe. Next week, we're going to talk about what you believe and how it affects your leadership, how it affects your lifestyle, and how it affects your future. There are some amazing things that happen in your leadership when you are a believer. And so, Father, I pray today that as we leave this place, as we get up and we go that way, that you would transform our lives and lift our minds to a new place. I pray that on this Independence Weekend that your spirit would meet people and they would rise above where they've been in their life and break loose from habits and attitudes of unbelief that hinder them. I thank you and I praise you, God, for your, your courage and your strength, the courage to rise up and trust you, the courage to not be destroyed by unbelief and to not be hindered by fear. We give you all the praise and we give you all the glory and all the honor. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Rick, I've heard the word today. I've heard what you said, and I want to be a believer. I want to be a believer in God. I want to, I, maybe up to now I've been a nice person, but I've never really put my full faith in God. I did it my way and not his way. Now I want to get up and go, as you said, Pastor, that way. I want to go a new way. I want to hear new instructions. I believe, Lord, that today is my day. And if you're here and you want me to pray for you, you say, Pastor, pray for me, whether you're home or here. And you want me to pray for you. You want me to pray that God's hand would be upon you. You want me to pray that you could start a new walk with God because you feel, Pastor, I really heard you today. I want you with everybody's eyes closed, every head bowed for your privacy to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Anybody says, pray for me, Pastor. That prayer is for me. I see you. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. Just pray for me. I see all both of you. Anybody else? Pray for me. Just say, pray for me. I see the two of you back there. Anybody else? Pray for me. I see another one over there. Thank you. And another one. Thank you. I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me. All I'm saying, there you go. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. Pray for me. I need God. Thank you for raising your hand. You can put it back down. Anybody else? Pray for me. I'm, I see your hand too well. Thank you. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. I get it. I see, I see your hand as well. Father, today I see your hand too. Thank you. God bless you, Lord. I pray for those who raise their hands and some who raise their hearts today, both here and at home. May they come away realizing that you are the God who can do amazing things in their life. You died on the cross to give them a chance to be free. I pray that the power of the living God would be present in their life, that they would leave this place transformed. Jesus died to free them, and I give you praise for them. May this be that beginning journey. In Jesus' name, and everybody say, amen. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer with me, there is a packet I want to put in your hand.